What over the years, <laughs> everybody gets like into a hardcore orgy and then they slowly like, go back a into the busy week, action. y'all. Yeah, that's our time. Uh, thanks so much. I'll send you a shout survey. Out, I'll send you a Google form survey. Shout out to everyone who's giving me a hand job this week. <laughs> we are talking about Joker, the new on, Todd welcome Phillips Welcome to the podcast. Movie. On critics on tap. Critics on tap. Hi. And there's plenty of tap here. Um, so I tap that. Uh, where do we begin with this one? I mean, I, there's so much spoilery stuff I want to get into so bad. So I'm gonna we like. Even done let's intro. do some overview yeah, no, stuff. We haven't even this warmed up yet. We haven't even had foreplay What I'm saying yet. is like, I want to get there so bad. So everyone, I think this I is the first one we all like. I imagine because all of y'all struggle with being, um, I don't know, holding back at all. <laughs> Especially Kiko. Um, so you all have the same struggle, but I will say let's do our best to wait to the spoilery stuff. Um, let's get through this beginning. Let's work our way backwards. I am Bo. This is Critics on Tap. I am joined uh, by a lovely group of people that are also now collectively drinking whiskey with me, other than Not maybe me. Sam- no, I'm hydrating. No I'm microdosed. Uh, We're I'm, I'm sorry, Yikes. I'm hydrated. Sam, introduce yourself and tell us about the water you're drinking. Yes, and whether hi. it's refreshing or not. I'm Samantha Ray Lopez, and today I drank two glasses of wine at the movie theater, so shut up. My hangovers just not have been great lately, so I'm hydrating. Um, wine hangovers are particularly nasty I know. with all that sugar. And I love wine. That's the wor- and they're the best and the worst. I know. Otherwise, I would have been like, I'm bringing a bottle. Anyways, um, yeah, what else do I have to talk about? What have you seen? Uh, what what, oh, what yes, you've seen? this week. Okay, well, yeah. so I know last well, week I we was like, we do full introductions know. and then get into like okay, yeah, yeah. stuff. All right, well, just a quick intro. Guys. Who's here? So because they're going to keep making comments while you talk, so yes. we at least got to know who's this making is the comments. So let's get Spencer in here. Uh, hey, it's Spencer. Um, I'm drinking whiskey, Evan Williams, and I was drinking whiskey Maker's Mark at the movie because I was <laughs> really anxious and very frightened, which we'll talk about. Yeah. Nice. I'm Kiko. I am drinking water now because I microdosed before I went and saw this crazy movie. So it's even crazier. So uh, Do you just get on podcasts to tell people you've microdosed? Yeah, I microdosed. Why? Just to no, just to like broadcast to everyone that you're really stoked. So when do you go on the Joe Rogan show to talk about that? <laughs> He's Rogan. got your Joe Rogan type. That's your on your I'm just Rogan here for the type. weed Joe Rogan. I don't know if you know this. I smoke crack rot. <laughs> and then a little less heard from we have uh, behind the uh the technical stuff. We have Matias back there. Oh, am I technically on this? I don't know. It depends. Can you be heard? Okay. It's a Milford I'm... man, neither seen nor heard. <laughs> that is Matias. Um, Buster Booth. <laughs> yeah, that is. Yeah, there we go. Oh the Arrested God. Development. Uh, <laughs> I just realized Buster's my favorite character on Arrested Development. That's the name of my dog. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and make that my shout outs. Tony Hale did a. I want to say Dak Shepard, maybe Justin Long. One of the two guys had him on his podcast recently. Mm, okay. And Tony Hale is such a sweet guy. He who is. Who had no acting roles, like, pretty much at all of merit in any form, and was probably going to give up acting altogether when he got cast in Arrested Development. And he's I like, I'm him. in my 30s. I'm cast with all these, like, professional people. So he was really sweet. You should check that out. I'm going to look up both of those podcasts since you can't figure it out. Yeah. Life is short with Justin Long and uh, oh, Armchair cute. Expert with Dak Shepard. Dak Shepard. Okay. Um, yeah, they're both pretty cute. good. And there's some good good stuff in there. Yeah, you can scroll through and find the guests you like and listen to those because they're always good. Um, 
So speaking of shout outs, Sam, what do you got? Yeah, this week was great. So I, on Sunday, I went to AFS Cinema to see the Miles Davis movie. Um, It's a documentary about his life. It was really interesting. I mean, it's kind of... the Don Cheadle movie. No, (laughs) no. Um, It was uh, cool to see, you know, kind of his impact on music across multiple genres. It was very, you know, typical in terms of like... He's a troubled musician with a drug problem and a womanizer and all that stuff. But um, it was a lot of really great context for uh, like the evolution of just music in general and his impact. So that was really cool. I've also started watching the Wu-Tang series of Mikes and Men um, because I'm going to see them on Monday. Is it ain't nothing to fuck with? (laughs) It ain't nothing to fuck with. Um, And... Yeah, I started that um, storytelling creativity lab on Tuesday, and I'm, like, inspired. So, uh, yeah, it's been kind of a big week. Nice. Yeah, so shout out Kiko, to what you. Got? What books. have I been doing? Um, there's a series on YouTube called Film Theory, which it's a guy who does, like, all the different random things about, like, you know, how we tie everything into the universe. Like, there's specific ones. He has the... From yeah, game theory. yeah, they have the Pixar universe that they go through. They have like the Marvel universe, and one of his things he did the film theory about Joker, and so I had that in my head the entire time. And I think he actually got one right because usually never right. Um, but they're really cool theories he that he comes up with. Type thing. Mm. Yeah, yeah, but it's really cool said- and like very well thought out. But they never kind of go like how he wants them to go. By the way, I love your frames. They're also. Uh, Anyways, y'all can't see them. Spencer just yeah. has we, should, a we should definitely today. compliment each other's clothes <laughs> on a totally audio medium. Like, let's all talk about what each y'all other are wearing. This, there were there any photos s- of this. S- they're actually and, the spectacles with the wearing. nose attached to them. So, yeah, he just kind of went for it today. The full Speaking Joker spectacles. We watch Joker. Yes. <laughs> so, anyways, it's called Film Theory. We'll it's really cool. Way. They do a lot of fun stuff like it. So, Spencer, you, what do you got? I've watched a couple things. Uh, last night I watched, or was it last night, or one of the one of the nights this week I watched the t- Between Two Ferns, the movie. Oh, which, oh it's a movie. Okay. Well, it sure th- thought it was a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Is it a narrative? It really was more like a loose uh, plot that got you from interview to interview. Okay. So, yeah, that's were you what I was a hoping big for. fan of the original? I do like Between Two Ferns. Okay. So I do like the content, and I had a good time. That's not to say I didn't have a good time. Like, yeah, uh, Jordy and I watched it, and. It's funny. It's got great moments. The The movie part of it, definitely not good. But a lot of interesting cameos, like Matt Berninger from The National is in it for some reason. Spoilers. That's not a spoiler. <laughs> I don't know who that is. Uh, <laughs> um, it's a big deal. But uh, I also watched a documentary called Conan O'Brien Can't Stop, which oh, was made one. during the time when he left The Tonight Show around that era. He when he, well, when he was very ser- Very yeah. unceremoniously. Yes. He, quote, unquote, left the tonight show on his own terms yeah. uh, and Coco. it kind of covers that and he went on a tour right after he went on like a live show tour right after because in part of his contract uh with nbc he couldn't be on tv for seven months after what? leaving the show yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he got fucked yeah um and so he took all the money from the settlement he gave it to his staff and paid them full time until they got what became the tbs show which is just conan um and it kind of follows this road tour and it's awesome like it's really Conan uplifting. is like I love Conan a lot, but seeing him in that light was really special. Like for the good or the bad, like he was stressed out on tour. He was kind of prima donna mm-hmm. at moments, but he's multi talented, funny at all times, and yeah. he has this energy that was really inspiring. And um, especially if anyone's trying to be a creative and kind of feeling kind of in a lull period, it's a definitely worth watching to kind of get re energized and also seeing what someone's craft just constantly 
Uh, so Todd Phillips, Joker, starring Joaquin Phoenix, and uh, Robert De Niro, and a bunch of other people. So was uh, this set in the 70s or 80s? Yeah, was it? it like the felt, late 70s. Yeah, yeah it felt like there late still 70s. Some 70s cars and early 80s boxy cars. Yeah. I don't know if it was the, early 80s, cabs but were, it felt were like Reese's. late 70s. But yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Oh, either way. Yeah. Either way. Yeah, definitely the Period. era of King of Comedy. Um, Night Show. Yeah, a little past, like Taxi Driver. Mm-hmm. Um, you could tell those were the biggest influences. Taxi Driver, King Comedy, um, you know, Raging Bull is of that era mm-hmm. as well. That was, it was definitely of that, of that ilk. Um, I mean, I had read somebody had said like, I, I'm surprised they didn't just go ahead and give Martin Scorsese an executive producer credit considering they, <laughs> considering they completely he was for a while. Yeah. I thought he and was I, on, and, I don't know the story yeah. of why he's not credited, but Martin Scorsese was involved with the producing yeah. side very early somehow on. His name's not on it now at all, which I was kind of surprised. I'd by. be interested to look back on that. There was an article that came out about why I'm not, maybe he was working on the Irishman or something, but that shouldn't affect yeah. like his amount of work. Yeah, in it. I mean, um, maybe some behind the scenes drama, but he was at one point attached. Um, I mean, obviously Robert De Niro's in it. Someone who was in the King of comedy as the main character, which is very yeah. synchronous in a lot of ways to the plot and the story beats of this movie. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I'd be interested to, Check that out. I only know what you're talking about because of the YouTube series I watched. Nice. I feel kind of like I caught up with you guys. But I'm about so, to get lost anyway. While you were on. driving. Yeah, so I was driving. Wow. So, it really um, was while I was driving. <laughs> I want to do overall just kind of thoughts, spoiler yeah. free, of like just a general reaction on a non-spoilery sense. Sam, what do you think? So... I was thinking about this on the car over the way over here, and I want to be delicate with the way that I express this. I did not expect to love this movie the, as much as I did. And I'm kind of hating that I'm admitting this out loud. Hell yeah. Um, mm. Because Say it, girl. there were so many elements that I, you know, understand came from a lot of influences that kind of craft what filmmaking is. But I also felt that like, if this didn't exist without like, if this did exist without like, it being a comic book movie and having all of this history, like if it stood alone, I think I would have literally been blown away. I would have been like, what? Like this was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that being said, all forms of media are created within context, right. And cultural context. And I feel like it was difficult to watch a movie about, I guess, mental illness and kind of a, uh, I guess, like political movement that was essentially focused on killing, murder, stuff like that, um, without drawing those uh, similarities to what's going on in the current climate. So I did really enjoy the movie, and I might get some shit for that. I don't know, but... I also am Remember, very she's conscious at Samantha of... Lopez on social <laughs> nope, media. I'm not. That's not my Lopez. Samantha Ray Lopez. Is it back row Sam? Yeah. Back row Sam. Back row Sam. It's officially back row Sam. At your HJ service. No. So going back to the 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 context, right? Like. There is a level of responsibility that we have as filmmakers, and I feel that there is a sense of of consciousness that's needed, right? When you create a piece like this and put a piece like this out. But it's also one of those things where it's like, 
I want to create this piece. When do I put it out? How do I put it out? Um, so I don't know. I'm torn, right? It's that, you know, irresponsibility of putting something out like this when mass shootings, mental illness are very much framed in this very, uh, they've been politicized at this point, right? And there's all of these misconceptions about what m- mental illness is. And the other aspect of things where, you know, this is a comic book character with source material. And this is, you know, that's kind of the core of the story is like how he turns into this kind of evil killer person. Radicalized. Yes. Yeah. So I am torn, but as a piece of media, I very much enjoyed it. And I enjoyed Joaquin Phoenix's, uh, performance even though i know he is also problematic so y'all can see this is why i have such a hard time watching movies and that's why i was excited to start doing this podcast because the movies that we watch are not necessarily movies that i would watch on my own i spend a lot of time watching films that are created by first-time filmmakers independent filmmakers foreign filmmakers um just in what i do and don't get the opportunity to watch something that like the general public does without having that kind of um barrier I guess for myself like it's hard for me to watch regular movies now because I am thinking so critically about like all of this other shit right is this problematic is this racist is sex is whatever and like I'm always thinking about those kinds of things so I feel like in this context I'm able to uh kind of say you know what take a step back watch this as general audience member how does this make you feel and that's how I feel about this so y'all can turn me up if you want but We'll back you up. That's we'll how I feel. You, but you, we'll be your bodyguard. So, That's how I feel. Well, yeah. While we're on a uh, more serious note, I'm obviously going to skip over Kiko and go over to Spencer here, and let's keep it going <laughs> a little bit more in the serious sentence of this. Go for it. What did you think? Um, I was thinking about this before I saw the movie, and I was starting to have a conversation with this with my boss. Um, but do you guys know the musician Sufjan Stevens at all? Mm-hmm. Sufjan. Sufjan. So he has a song he has written and recorded uh, called John Wayne Gacy Jr., which mm-hmm. is about the famous clown murderer, John Wayne Casey Jr. And there's a lyric at the very end, obviously like the things he did is horrible mm-hmm. and he went through traumatic things that got him to that point. So a lot of similarities to what Sam was just saying, but there's a lyric where, um, excuse me, where he says, uh, at the very end, Sufian says, and in my best behavior, I'm really just like him. And I think that's a lot of what this movie kind of embodies, um, which we'll kind of get more in depth as we talk about it. But, you can still empathize with somebody who's gone through traumatic things and lives with a mental illness and lives with um, feeling dejected by society, but also recognize the horrific uh, travesties of decision-making that that person makes um, and recognize that as horrifying. So I, I love this movie. Thank God we watched a good movie finally. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this but was, Hustlers was so good. Hustlers was good, but not like this. This was awesome. Um, yeah. I had a good time and we'll talk more as well too. I hate saying that, but well, the movies we have seen kind of what Sam was just saying have not been the movies I would normally choose. And uh, this is a movie I've been looking forward to for a long time. Um, and I just was incredibly both moved and also fucking terrified. Um, obviously there's a lot 
currently happening right now and this evening that kind of help that. Um, there was an implication in the Travis County area of potential shooter or shooting happening at a movie theater in Travis County during premiere night, which is tonight, which we're recording. We're in Travis County. Um, and I'd, 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 I'd hate to say that like that might have influenced my feelings of anxiety during certain moments, but I definitely mm. was feeling anxious in some moments this movie and and i've never like it's kind of like if like when you get on an airplane and like they do the whole this is the exits and this is what happens and this happens and usually like you have your ipod in you're listening to music or you're finally texting your last person out getting on the plane you don't literally listen or even if you do listen like you're not necessarily like keying into in the way that like tonight i was like where's my exit with the flight attendant where am by I the way at? there's a 30 percent chance we may not make it so anyway mm. so you guys have a good yeah, flight it was it was kind <laughs> of like surreal there were yeah. some moments where i felt really uncomfortable uh-huh. but that adds to the mythos of this movie it make, made the uh, experience of it really yeah um uh, like good marketing emotional um yeah. but also the sentiment of the song i just mentioned like None of the behaviors um, are justifiable. No matter how much mm. he went through and experienced and was living with, nothing that he did was justifiable. And that's the big takeaway for me. Yeah. Kiko, you have 30 seconds. I have Go. 30 seconds to Go. do this. Oh, my God. Anyway, so, yeah. I really love this. This was like a 90-minute setup to a great punchline because throughout the beginning of the whole movie, I was like, what the hell? This is so super slow. So super crazy, but it was, like you said, heightened. I was just really emotional through it and watching him go through his thing and also with the scare, wondering what was going to happen. But when it got to the parts that we're all going to get to, I was just like really so emotional and in my seat. I found myself smiling like he was smiling at times, which made me feel really maniacal. But it was just like I was going for him, which is weird. Um, And I could empathize. But not only that, I just like... It's also like, hey guys, if you're just not a dick, maybe this won't happen. <laughs> like, people are the way they are to him, but yes, people are weird, but it was just a very big emotional thing. And it's how I think most movies should be done as an origin story. Like it should be this whole dramatic lead up to the end where you don't get to see the full regalia, but you get to see this is what's going to happen next. You know something crazy is going to happen in the next movie. And the context of it being within that universe of Batman and Gotham City yeah. and all that stuff, like as a fan of Batman, <clears> it's like I was telling Sam before the movie, The Dark Knight was the first movie I saw at an Alamo draft house ever when I was in high school. Wow. Um, I love Batman. Um, I think that context makes it a little bit more digestible like i don't know if people would be flocking to see this movie if it was just at all if it was this story because it is fucking horrifying and 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 crazy um but it's funny how that one choice can now bring all these people to be so invested in it and it's funny you mentioned you smiling when he was smiling it's kind of like how he reacts like you can tell this doesn't spoil anything but the character of arthur fleck played by joaquin phoenix looks around him and he sees other people laughing he like He's trying to dissect why people laugh, which is the mm-hmm. job of comedy. But like, you can really see him working at it by noticing when people laugh, and he laughs along with them to feel belonging. And there is, if I felt that bleeding into like the audience mm-hmm. and the yeah. way that they were reacting to the movie, um, it was shot well in doing that and just making it. It, it really yeah. was just huge emotional. There's a lot of synchronicity to this movie to things that are happening right now, yeah, yeah. And both politically and just socially in general. Mm-hmm. Like, it seems like. I, I don't know if this movie has legs beyond like now. Like I'm curious how people feel about it down the line. Yeah. Like people yeah. love the dark Knight still. I think now, about but. when, or, you know, when I was thinking about like, if this movie stood alone and didn't have all of the like, you know, history that it does, like 
how this would have performed in the past. You know what I mean? Like the, the this acts, movie would never have been made. I don't think? think. No. Well, I mean, there would have been massive differences if it had been like the violence wouldn't have been as severe. I guess to yeah, me to say like yeah. 2005 instead of 2019. Because I mean, you, you think about it, and it's like we've been desensitized to a certain extent, right? Like this, this it's, it is horrible. Those things that happened in a in that <clears throat> movie, but at the same time, it's like it was still in a fucking public, you know, shown. It, it's a Hollywood film. You know what I mean? Like it was not to the point where. It was like, this is too much. I mean, we're in the universe where they're having commercials for bulletproof backpacks. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. We're in the wrong timeline. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. So, yeah, you're right. I don't know if, if someone will be able to discover this in the future and get what, we, what they meant by it. Yeah. It seems yeah. like a really interesting time capsule. Like, even though we're experiencing it now, like as a present day movie, it feels already like a time capsule of things that are happening. Um, yeah see it but it was so yeah i really want to push a pin in that um of sort of like how it took place in a different time period but feels so prescient now um while we kind of like you know wrap up the spoiler free kind of time period is um before we move into that you didn't tell us what you thought yeah what did you think Eh. (laughs) (laughs) so this is so this is interesting i um I mean, I definitely had high expectations. Um, I did. I think that's why. But at the same time, I mean, it at least matched those expectations. It was, it was well done. Um, there were times where I felt, is this a an understanding filmmaker who's making these choices? Because they're the exact right artistic choices, yeah. or because he's emulating what he thinks someone better than him does. That's a good point. And I, and I remember very implicitly the last time Todd Phillips did something like this was War Dogs, the one with Jonah Hill, yeah. right? Oh, and uh, Miles Teller. Who could forget? So he went, <laughs> I mean, and, and, you know, to remind people, it's, um, you know, Todd Phillips went from like old school to the Hangover trilogy to like War Dogs, and then it's like War Dogs was. And I remember, I, and I'm pretty sure I have a Facebook post of like the opening night of War Dogs many years ago, where I was like, I think he watched like certain movies like Adam McKay making Hitting the big game. short or these other things be like, Oh wow. Look at this transition from comedy to drama. I can do that. Mm-hmm. And then did a bad job. I think Todd Phillips is an interesting central character to this movie conversation. Yeah. There is that quote of him um, in an article mentioning he doesn't make comedy movies anymore because woke culture doesn't allow him yeah. to it, yeah. it's it so, reads yeah. horrible and it reads very, I definitely very, want to very deep horrible. dive deep dive into it you can in a see second. why i'm so He's, torn <laughs> yeah so um that i mean that's where i was like i mean i think it, it i think it's a great movie that is extremely well acted i mean there's joaquin no denying that joaquin is phoenix the fucking is man by yeah. far the strongest element of this movie really he never wants an oscar strong. but boy he might get one this film uh, actually puts the psychopath in the Joker. Like it actually, like I feel like it finally takes away the mystery. I, it's not so much about the origin story or whatever about him, but it actually makes him scary. And I think that's because a lot of times people think the Joker's cool. They love the Joker. They really relate to him. Or like when say he does something, they just laugh at what he does or whatever. Look at the Dark Knight. Joker you know? is always in um, service to Batman in those yeah, movies. Oh, I mean, you so in, in this sense, like this actually 
really uh, legitimate legitimizes his like his state of mind um, and really shows like how scary this character actually is. And I think the only thing that's come close to that is the Dark Knight with Heath Ledger. And I remember hearing his interviews and stuff and, and leading up to it. I remember seeing the trailer and thinking like, oh, man, like he's I'm scared of that Joker right now. But then you go see the movie. It's not quite as scary. Now, this actually makes him it finally shows like this guy's not right. You know, we all have fun with him. We have fun with the Mark Hamill Joker. We all love the idea of the Joker being the antithesis of Batman. This actually makes him look really scary. And I think that is very important for this comic book realm. Yeah, and I, I, that's all I want to say. So, yeah, I would agree, though, because I think like comic book fans need to <clears throat> fucking get over it. Like, I think like yeah. this movie, like what I was just saying is I think in those pieces that we see the Joker, he's always in service to be a complimentary piece to Batman and what he's going yeah, through as, okay, as the protagonist yeah. that Bruce Wayne is. So now <clears throat> taking that big piece out, which is a big piece, we're not seeing any well, of the lore. Away from the Adam West yeah, kind of things. Yeah. Well, definitely. <laughs> you know, and showing um, you like, yeah, he's oh, a villain. You don't have to tell me. I'm wearing my Adam West Batman socks with capes. <laughs> oh, my oh, my oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm so sad that that's how I roll for somebody for somebody who was just making fun of uh, showing a visual uh, <laughs> outfit <laughs> moment yeah. and now uh, when I saw the dark Knight at the draft house I saw a village in 2008 when it came out I'd mm -hmm. never been to a draft house before I was in Austin on vacation and I didn't mm -hmm. understand the idea of pre-show and the pre-show, the first thing I when they walk through that little hallway, right as you make the turn into the theater, they were showing Adam West, Batman, and it was the Joker and Batman having a surfing contest. Cesar Romero, Cesar Romero, and, and yeah. Adam West having a surfing contest in their like they're in Batman Joker outfits, but Batman Joker in like swim outfits, like Joker branded swim outfits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I never realized how maniacal the Joker kind of was until Heath Ledger's character. And I was like, wow, you took it in a and different that direction. Movie now, like, looking back on it in comparison to this, like, yeah, it was yeah. scary, but yeah. that was movie was PG-13. Like, yeah. this is the hard R but definitely could allows. Could you have a Joaquin Phoenix Joker without a Heath Ledger Joker? Like, do you feel they like if they we wanted had to, go. to be I think it's, it, That's what it? I'm saying. I think comic book fans will still enjoy this because it is an evo it's the evolution. Yes. Like, you, yeah. need the, you need the full evolution. You yeah. couldn't have gone straight yeah. from if we had no Batman movies from Jack but Nicholson. But all those people have had, though. That, that's what I'm saying. They have all that information. They love the well, character. Also Jack they want us. I, but I mean, the, we could not have made the jump. Let's just say theoretically that only yeah. Tim Burton movies had existed yep. in 89 well, also as Jack Nicholson. And then now, <laughs> like 30 years later, we suddenly have this. And people will be like, that's fucking stupid. Hold that's up. not a joker. Yeah. But we had a natural progression that needed to go way further, which was Heath Ledger. And then way downhill with the Jared Leto. And then bring oh, it back yeah. to this. Jared Leto. Yeah, that's the award-winning film Suicide Squad. Say, Be respectful. <laughs> if there wasn't this weird stepping stone in between, it might have been, you know, also not as well received. I think the yeah. mythos of the Joker is organically just always changing. And I think as a Batman fan, I, I'm glad this kind of movie comes out. Even if you see it and you don't like it when you first see it, I think it's something those kind of people need to see. Because it does need to be horrifying. Like the character does need to have um, an evolution you beyond. Need to see that he is actually yeah, like the Heath Ledger one. Like think about the plot of that movie. Like some of the stuff he does is pretty gross. One we don't see it. Like the, the classic PG thirteen cutaway. Yeah. <laughs> and then the fight scene know, between him and Batman's kind of just. I'm gonna make this pencil disappear. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. the best part though. That's yeah. the yeah. Movie we can always horror, like, yeah, like, I mean, there are the, some the moments dialogue, like that. But like when he fights Batman, like. 
he yeah. sends dogs on but it and it gets uh, his ass yeah. kicked. But it's, like, but it's also a lot of like the Jaws, like sort of like, oh, we don't have to see the shark yes. constantly. Yeah. It's the fact that the shark is almost always on the surface. And even though we are seeing the Joker himself physically, we're not seeing the violence yet. But it's yeah. almost always there. From that opening scene of, oh, he sets everybody up to kill each other. Like he's just so strategically thought out this weird chaotic the killing joke violence. Joe novel is like that too. Yeah, like, and like, like that's, that's the that too, any to moment this he's gonna snap and just murder the person and next to him. So that brimming sort of violence is what makes it yeah. something more Yeah, it's taut. like a brute. Which, and, and, and I think they did capture in this movie low as well. And slow, like that low was, and slow. And it's true, like it kind of needed to have that evolve to see that, you know, other than what you saw with the campy kind of Joker, and his character needing to be, he's always going to be his villain, that he had to be a psychopath and he had to be maniacal for no reason than just to be that person. Like, he just wanted to cause chaos. Like Michael Caine would say, there's some people who just want to see the world burn because they just want to see the fire. I, I so, know you thought that the whole first part was kind of a slow burn. I know, it was great. Um, but but I guess in retrospect, do you think that seeing all that, the build-up and the build-up oh, yeah. made that it moment made it, at the end, the moments, I guess, at the end, like satisfying oh it did like like i said it was a 90 minute setup to a great punchline and i was like what the hell and then it got to that and i was like thank you that was no that was perfect because yeah. it was it had me going like what the hell what the hell? and then it got there and yeah. all that journey i had followed him into what he was doing and they didn't rush it it went especially, into it nicely especially when you consider that there are moments in the movie that don't actually happen and you don't know that they don't actually yeah. happen until much later you can so guess, yeah. at the point where you realize like oh shit there are scenes that might not be real you're then you know after that you're like am i gonna be am i being duped you know what i mean like is this actually happening are they gonna pull the rug from under me again that this didn't actually happen you know sam that's a great question which also leads us into a great segue for (laughs) spoiler spoilers are coming guys watch out the spoilers are coming that's our new spoilers. <laughs> 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 I'm going to go to uh, freemusic.org for a better sound effect. <laughs> can, we, can we do a roundabout? Spoiler. Spoiler. <laughs> Weird flex, <laughs> but anyway, okay. So we're starting now. Okay, since now it's spoilers, we're going where we're starting. Going since down, beginning, so, he's a clown uh, uh, for hire. Right. What a gig! Man, what a gig! And also, have. all of, it's like this company that hires multiple people to be clowns, and then they're like all freelancers for a different company. Yeah, is this a shot at like freelance Clowning. videographers or something, or freelance like artists of any kind? Felt kind of personally attacked a little bit. And then there's like a hierarchy to them. Like there's somebody who's obviously better doing his makeup. Like, oh look at you, is that part of your bit? Yeah, I definitely wouldn't want to live in like. The late seventies, New York. It was definitely like they, they filmed this in New York, right? Yeah, the whole garbage was, strike references, yeah. the imagery. One hundred percent had to. Yeah, be. it had to be mostly shot in New York. The yeah, the bridges and the architecture. And which, which Gotham definitely has, like, sort of. Uh, I mean, a, New York City has got. They always do both yeah, Chicago. Because yeah, I, mean, like, I mean, definitely Christopher Nolan's. It felt it was more Chicago in what they where they shot it but it always feels like some sort of weird amalgamation of like new york meets london meets chicago we can get to like todd phillips as a director in terms of like emulating and sort of chameleoning his way as a director but the production design and like the feel of this movie and the way it was shot was awesome yeah like i know we'll get into story spoilers in a sec but just the whole design of the film fucking crisp but like mm-hmm. super super good Joaquin Phoenix's like costumes and the way that he lost so much weight and the way his body the formed in the thing. clothes yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it was kind of, speaking of the master, like very similar physically to the master in the way that he distorts his body. Like that man, but like doing. in The Dark Knight, like we remember Heath Ledger's voice change to the Joker. Like we, we like the Heath Ledger we know from 10 Things I Hate About You. Yeah. His voice is very different. When we and Joaquin like Phoenix stars. sounds like Joaquin Phoenix. Like the entire he, way. And, and then there was an interview of him in this movie where he's like, I don't, I'm not a method actor. Like I don't really like apply like my, my, the way that I, approach the process to what y'all think is mm -hmm. method acting just because i act doesn't mean that i'm a method actor like yeah. the way that his tactics are as an actor physically like a jerk on and set. like commanding the frame is so fuck it was actually more akin to like robin williams like somebody mm -hmm. like robin williams who like eats up like the screen as an actor physically True. um he did and in a different scene. way, obviously, but like when he's dancing on the stairwell or when he's like hunched over a lot in a lot of frames, you see the hunched mm -hmm. feeling that I he has. I feel like they cast him now when I think about it more so because they saw him on her and how he carried that by himself. And because there's a lot of moments like her. Oh, I thought you were making a bit for a second. No, no. No, no, no. <laughs> no like the movie Hair, I work on it. Where's no, Kiko's bad joke going next? <laughs> you know what? I, th I would say it's more akin to like, I'm still here. Like when he like oh, played, yeah. when he, the 100%. mockumentary film, which this is not a spoiler, it's fucking fake. But like he critiqued like as a real person, Joaquin Phoenix quits acting to become a rapper and he did that in real life. And like the way that he turned into a whole different person physically and the way he talked, not like tonally but the way he just commanded the dialogue like mm -hmm. the fake dialogue of the mockumentary very similar to that that man is just so give that man the, the trophy i think <laughs> uh, i'm ready mostly so i can just see him be really uncomfortable I feel like like, have, the short, have the shortest oscar speech of all time <laughs> <laughs> Bye. thanks yeah. good Bye. um but i guess i don't spoilers will come organically but like i feel like the violence in this movie the way it was built up like oh it's kind of violent scary it's the killing in this movie is fucking gruesome like when he kills uh the there's guys. a there's a co-worker of his who gives him a gun yeah. early in the film when after he gets beat up by these guys um and he feels betrayed by him because he gets fired at some point because he has this gun in his costume at a hospital and then he has it out for this guy which is fucking immoral yeah um it's a children's hospital right and it, in the end of the movie <laughs> there might be a mass shooter who shows up and he has to protect himself good guys with bad guys um, he's a good say. guy with a gun no. just trying to protect oh, these sick kids like it's a bad guy with a gun jesus christ but, but he point, the way he kills that guy yeah is, even though he that guy definitely deserved it you know fucking unsettling yeah. there, are, there are out of all of the deaths in the movie there are only a few that are really gruesome though and but they're impactful because you yes. know everything that's led up to and that. yeah they're not like flagrant foul you know like they <laughs> <laughs> they are uh they are pretty gruesome yeah uh like, I, I would say so the best movie a while without one. this is arguably the best movie of the last few months since once one time in hollywood which had a similar like long sort of tense build up and there were moments of almost violence or semi-violence leading up to a very violent ending. So I think that was kind of an interesting uh, thought uh, and, and comes not a, not the same time period, but reasonably close. Um, it, what, as far as expectations going into a Tarantino movie, you expect a lot more violence than we got going into this movie. Did you expect more violence or less compared to what we got? I think that example is important because we all know the real story of the Manson murders and mm -hmm. just that in general, even though that's a fictitious complimentary piece to the real life thing. Um, we have the information of this movie 
coming in. Obviously, we are informed by the character. So we're expecting the ending. We're expecting mm-hmm. the Joker to do something f- insane. Mm-hmm. So I don't think... And even even with that knowledge, it somehow feels still surprising. It's still yeah. gruesome. Like I, I knew it was coming the whole time. You, of course, you know it's coming. The way, even even if you avoid the promotion for this movie, even if you don't read an article, you know where it's all headed. And even and that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You still can't keep your eyes off of it. And then yeah. I guess that's the sc- the scary part well, I felt in my myself. Like, I guess you kind of feel like Batman was coming if you didn't <laughs> know anything. What was interesting to me though movie. was how each of the like killings were handled. Like you, there's only one woman that you see him kill, but others are implied. You know, so. It's that was I was definitely not expecting to see that. I was expecting to see him like gruesomely kill everyone. Only one Sorry, it's just that kind you of see him kill. I know, but I'm just saying, like the way you said, it's the only one woman. As if it's just like, oh, he murders people, and one of them's a woman. But I mean, it's his out, own mother. I know, but out of the women, like, that he kills, just, only one of let's them. Let's just really see. like. I mean, that's a conversation yeah. of, it, of itself. Because make believe girlfriend. I, I would imagine I'm not the only and person. Daughter, so that's. I'm not the only person who thought very from the very first scene where his mother's introduced and you see her being this kind of invalid person that, you know, he like and she's on the brink of death anyway. You'd think, oh, she's going to die and that's going to set him off. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like that that's was what a, too. that's yeah. what we all kind of like. It yeah. was built that way of like, yeah. oh, she's going to die. And that's going to be one like thing. one of the things that makes him crack. Yeah, I definitely knew and it was a mommy. It went a different direction there, though. I thought it was more about betrayal. Like everyone who dies is disloyal to him in some kind of or way, which is interesting to the, the mythos of the Joker. Like the, the, him, you, we think of him as he just does it because he wants to, but it, like the Mark Hamill Joker, very vindictive, very gets pissed off when people don't give him respect, which is the, the subject of this movie. We see him yeah, feel like the world, world is, the world is against <laughs> him. And like when the, the guy who gives him the gun is killed in the end, and the, the, the other guy who's in the apartment, he's like, oh, you can go. You, I, you didn't do anything wrong to me. Yeah, you're my favorite. Like, Although I do were really nice to me. Yeah. And that's the thing is he literally lives by the creative loyalty um, being the only thing that kind of dictates the way that he yeah. punches back. And I think yeah. that loyalty is also very personal and like hard to yeah. read and hot and cold. So mm-hmm. that can come across as erratic or um, I just do it cause I want to. And yeah. that real, I mean, it's just, he's very emotionally driven. Yeah. And he's almost very, equating that with the external validation quote unquote yeah. from the general public. The general public is seeing this as like, Oh, he killed these three people on the butt or on the train. And you know, he's just trying to kill the rich and people are really getting behind that. So he's getting a lot of, uh, satisfaction from, or that's fulfilling. Yeah, he doesn't want to be way. a symbol, but he loves, he loves the, um, the belovedness mm-hmm. that is given to him from yeah. the, the people. So anytime someone crosses him in some way, he, he's able to justify it because it makes him feel good. You see him like f- dancing about it. You know? And it's a tricky line. Cause we talk, I mean, think, I think a lot about like this whole thing with, um, with a lot of mental illness or what we consider like politically, like when people with these mass shootings that happen, like we are always championing self-love, like self-love is important. We can all agree that, but also is self-love beget, can that be twisted into morph to people being nice to me? Yeah, and and I'm giving self-love because other people give me love. Like am I yeah. only happy when other people make me happy? There's a really fine tricky or, line yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah. Like you can tell he like <clears throat> is very sad and there's a lot of imagery of him like, 
he's going to go on Robert De Niro's show. He's going to go on the, I forget the characters, the Murray Frank show. And he's rehearsing before about what he's going to do. He's watching tape of the show. He's taped before and he's pretending to walk out the way that shows do. And he's rehearsing. um, And he pretends that we, what we think is going to happen. He makes a, he's going to shoot himself. He pretends to shoot himself. What what he's going to do when he comes out of the actual end of the show, his movement, again, the movement of Joaquin Phoenix. His Jeez, movement really? is not that at all. It is erratic and uncomfortable. He comes mm-hmm. out and he like starts making out with the old lady. He's he's the Joker we wanted him. We all assumed he was eventually going to be in the, what we've seen before, which was a trip because we haven't seen that until that moment. Mm-hmm. But it still felt like this is where we were all coming to anyway. Yeah. So and I love the camera confidence. angles they used for that one. The wide, the longer camera angles on him to make it so that way the makeup you could see, and that was much scarier to see the makeup and the smile that he had. Because when it's up close, you're like it's Joaquin Phoenix in a makeup. His but teeth are further fucked up. Away, His yeah. teeth, and that's not makeup. Joaquin Phoenix needs to get some Invisalign <laughs> or something. Yeah. <laughs> and that shit was just yeah. He, it gives somebody him with some messed up bottom teeth <laughs> and no dental health care. Get that man some Invisalign. He's got the money. He's got to do it. He likes how he is. Um, but yeah, man, like, I, I, it's a fine line of, like, championing self-love, but then somebody, like, misconstruing that as, oh, I'm only happy when I get uh, elation, attention, attention uh, glory from others who, who yeah. cr- create loyalty. It's, it's a really toxic uh, equation. I'm sorry. This is, um, this is important because you mentioned him wanting like pretend uh, uh, um, rehearsing going up and everything and this is um there is that moment you know he pretends to shoot himself in the rehearsal mm-hmm. and so you think like is he is that what contemplating yeah. suicide is that and so there's a big shift mm-hmm. spoiler alert he decides to go from being suicidal to being homicidal mm-hmm um, did anyone else like think that he was going to shoot himself? Oh, like, totally, was that yeah. like, you know, I didn't at all. No, oh, well, did you think that was like fake? Like he show. was never going to do that? Um, or? I, I, I think, he was going to at one point. No, I know the but as soon as he got on the show, I, I think knew that's that part of the writing him. trying to trick you. And yeah. also like something happens. I mean, the th- I mean, I think that, again, you see it like, talking about the organic buildup. He kills somebody that comes over after that. And the whole thing of ch- getting chased by the cops, his confidence rises and rises and rises. Um, a lot of similarities to Birdman. Uh, has everyone seen Birdman mm-hmm. here? Yeah. Where like when we see um, uh, Michael Keaton in the beginning, his acting's pretty shoddy. He's clearly outmatched being on the stage. And then by the, the final performance, when it's like, we don't know what he's going to do. And he, shoots himself like we're both surprised but also like yeah yeah i he would have done i should have seen that coming and i think again because there's because again they also tease like is there going to be a sequel well, and all this other stuff know, but i never thought that was going to happen but then i think that's the that's a dangerous thing that's the that's the thing that people are calling out is like the dangerous part of this movie because like for the most part like in terms it, of representing yeah, like thing, uh um suicidal thoughts or something like yeah that. well the fact this. that you can you switch right that there's a this such a fine line, you know, that he like talks himself into doing something else to like taking that pain or whatever he's dealing with and 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 uh, pointing it towards himself to finally pointing it to someone else and deciding that this is someone like this is their fault, you know, and something like that. Like so, for me, like the film personally was like I was disturbed the entire film. This was a a character that like I did not empathize with that I didn't. I was like. 
really like unnerved by. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the dangerous part when people are talking about people empathizing with this character because mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're going from like, wait, no, this is like I like I'm internalizing everything and like I'm going to kill myself to suddenly I'm going to shoot someone. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm going to, like that. Empathy was, and relatability are thing. two different things, yeah. and again, it, it comes more down to people, other people who already feel that way, misconstruing the difference between those two things. Yeah, of finding connection, but also recognizing it's disturbing versus uh, seeing that connection and thinking, "Oh, that's me." Yeah, relatability of that. I, I it is tricky, and it's, it's a case by case. Anyone thing. who's going through men. Not mental illness. I don't think it's. I don't think it's beyond mental illness. It's depression, yeah. anxiety. It's like it's these. It's this uh, hurt. It's this idea that like life is like really uh, the movie. Like it likes to throw this thing. That's life, you know. Mm-hmm. So it throws that message at you. And to anyone who's dealing with, I'm like struggling with depression. I don't know what to do with my life. Like I'm just like everything's like coming. And to people who are really actually struggling with. To, um, um, suicidal tendencies. I th- I feel like that is uh, it's kind of dangerous. I think it is really. Um, a- as much as I I love this film, I think that it is a dangerous thing to mm-hmm. like represent on screen that switch, you know, and to show this character. I don't know. Maybe I'm just like saying this my thoughts out loud right now, and I don't know this where is the discussion is. I think that- <laughs> <laughs> like that is a very that is a very like I think it's something that should be yeah. like mentioned that this is a like if you're dealing with suicidal thoughts or anything like if you are actually like planning suicide this guy was i think in my head he was planning suicide like and then something changed like right before he went you read that, that line right in his journal about through, yeah. uh as long as i die will make more sense and yeah it, the joke was that sense was about you know, C- i hope my death will make more sense than and, my life yeah he saw and, that line mm-hmm. and he realized i don't believe in that anymore right everything that he's changed as a person i i just want to say like anyone who's dealing with suicidal thoughts planning it or whatever like there is hope you know <laughs> like and and uh and definitely like there is a lot that the world is throwing at us and it's definitely not something that you should um, turn on someone else. And like, you're not alone as someone who like uh, um, has worked with nonprofits who deal with um, uh, suicidal thoughts and habits and, and, and things that your struggles people are going through. Like there's hope you're not alone. Please um, reach out to someone. Anyway, that's just something I feel no, like. No, that's I need a good point. Yeah. And I think when, you know we're talking about mass shootings oh, culturally and the way that mental illness is portrayed in media. Like I think you know we all have we've been a bit desensitized, but we do have to remember that. Like I was listening to a podcast this morning, and they said something like five percent of these crimes that are being sensationalized on the media are really are. are only 5% are really done by people struggling with mental illness. So a lot of times it's framed like, oh, they were struggling mentally or whatever, you know, framing it in they this way that, that they don't want to call these white supremacists domestic terrorists. Um, and they say, oh, it's mental illness when, you know, really the statistics, statistics are really Just super hate. low. Yeah. So it's, I think we also need to be conscious of the fact that like mental illness does not equate to violence um, exclusively. So I think that's a really important distinction to make. So thanks for bringing that up, Matthias. Which is finding the movie. I mean, I did empathize with him and I go along with it because 
It's basically just stop being douches. And you could probably, like we were thinking about like, is this an actual like illness thing or is it learned behavior? Because throughout the entirety of the thing, there's just people constantly dogging him to a point of, yes, he becomes this person where it's like if there's a, the, the little person was nice and he liked him and he kept him and he let him live. I Am I saying tracks. that I'll, I'll go on there? But it's just more of like, stop being a douche to people and maybe you will set, won't set that kind of person off to that point. Um, there is just the point of, it's like bullying kind of things on there. Is there. I don't know. I think that's kind of making an excuse for bullies or making an excuse for a murderer. You know what I mean? Like sometimes actions those act the the punishment does not fit the crime so to well, speak i'm not saying right? the crime like, was he that i'm justifying anything that he did i'm just merely saying the things that lead up to the point just like in suicide it's not going to be a cry for help usually that people are going to hear or that things that your friends saying hey you're great because usually when you're depressed you're not going to hear it from your friends or your family it's going to be some random person somewhere going like hey you're really cool i like you or like you're nice it's just random acts of kindness that fucking help you out through your day and that's just the only reason why I empathize with the fact that he was just like getting dogged and dogged and dogged, not justifying anything that he did, but I'm just saying the backstory was stop being douches people to everybody. And if you all just learn to be nice to each other, maybe less of this shit would happen. Yeah, I think art should be uncomfortable. Yeah. And I think in uh, particularly this, like I once went to a museum and I had a friend who like looked at a painting and she's like, this like looking at this painting makes me really anxious because the painting was really ridiculous and the, like there's a lot of layers and colors yeah. and it was like really stressful for her to look at. But there's something about that where it elicits an emotion. And I think this movie is that like, I think we can all agree that this movie, the, this conversation is really dark and deep because of that. Mm -hmm. Like we really all experience something pretty like profoundly intense um mm -hmm. but i think it's important to have that kind of content to going what matthias was just mentioning like yeah it is a dangerous game to throw it out there and wonder yeah. how it could affect somebody mm -hmm. but i think it's a risk worth taking because if we're only throwing out content that's going to beget just a really baseline emotion we're not yeah. we're not that's keying into something um important yeah this I, movie I, feels important even by if it by accident yeah. like i don't know if and that's the other thing too i want to get to I, I i really wonder if like obviously they had some themes and things in mind that they wanted to explore in this movie and i think joaquin phoenix helps really realize those things if, if any other actor was doing it, i don't know if we'd all be saying the same thing yeah because uh, he's easy to empathize with he's yeah. really good at that 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 both sides of the coin like yeah. in the master mm -hmm. but I, I will say that like if there is any weakness to this film is that like not all bullies look like uh someone kicking you while you're like on the oh, ground yeah. or something <laughs> like like, the, like there's a lot assaulted. of like oppression in the world and doesn't always look like someone kicking you while you're on the ground there's so. only so much time to get into that though i think like <laughs> yeah. there's some is, moments okay. can be still service level to get a specific like they haven't they had intention to certain moments mm -hmm. but i do also wonder like did they somehow stumble into timeliness by accident? Like if this movie comes out three years ago, are we talking about it like this? Or well, yeah. pre like Sandy Hook, are we talking yeah. about this? Because when I say I go for him, I go for the character. As I said before, it's the Joker. It's the who he's going to become in a series. You're looking so, for the surfing contest. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm looking for the surfing contest. I just wanted to see that. I wanted to see it. I was like, yeah. when Batman finally becomes Batman, let me see the goddamn cape. I want to see this shit. You know, that's what I'm here. Give me the money shot. Yeah. So You're the nerd done. that Sam was talking about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty much. That's all I mean, but other than that, not realistic at all. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you've been wrong. You need to get your just due. I'm like, no, so I just want to see the character. I, I feel like the conversations, I mean, we could 
talk about it forever. But um, as far as the other elements of this film and how they mm-hmm. serve the overall narrative, um, I'm just curious. How do you feel about uh, Robert De Niro playing the sort of Ed Sullivan, Johnny Carson-esque guy and how that helps the story? He was better than... In this one, I've seen him in a while. I also haven't seen a ton of recent Robert De Niro work, so mm. I guess I have nothing really to compare it to. But I like I was bringing something where people, yeah, there's a lot of, you haven't seen Meet, Meet the, the, the Fockers' grandchildren or whatever. But that's the fuck what I'm getting at: is people have kind of written him off for yeah. in recent memory at yeah, least, and like, well, nipples. he's made some good shit in the in back then, so he's 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 fine now. But like, he yeah. was pretty nuanced and real. I think it's important to have him in that role. Uh, maybe I get what you're kind of saying with like, is it homaging the King of Comedy a little too much that it's just living off its laurels in a yeah. way? Or not having an actor who's a little bit more like, uh, for me, there could have been a way to go that's closer to V for Vendetta in which you had the, um, is mm-hmm. it, oh, the political is it, commentary yeah, guy? Yeah, is it Stephen, F- not Stephen Fry, Stephen Ray. I've, playing I've, like the way. BTN the news yeah, guy, but like the guy, yeah. So it's like oh, John Hurt playing the nine, playing the. Well, no, John Hurt was the. Uh, yeah. Like the I, John I, I he, was the, he was the chancellor, but yeah. Either way, I was saying like not having like a larger than life personality, which would have been a very easy Are way to go. You I feel like in this role, it would have been a, an easy way to go to have somebody who's so larger than life. That's a natural thing to have happened, and Rob De Niro can be somewhat larger in life but it's a muted kind of performance i didn't yeah. know if anybody Honestly, you wanted james corden to play i think it oh. <laughs> i think it could have been anybody because that role that he's playing is a role that we're all familiar with and the the purpose of it is for us to understand that like he's so in love with this like person he's never met before and has influenced his life so much and he loves him so much and then he makes fun of him and that's yeah. what sets him off right and so like universe. the and, and the that's idea the point, is de niro is so de niro in certain moments that you're like why is he the guy playing yeah, the role it other, could have been other anybody. than he's the guy from king of comedy other than he's the guy from taxi driver yeah. like what yeah. did he bring to the table that you couldn't have had somebody who Sometimes specifically I think the, those decisions are made of like that. i can get de niro in my film so i'm gonna you know what i, I mean? think there's some everyman element to him like i liked what he like when mark maron's like you could dress him as this and robert de niro's like cut the shit like yeah. it's like just having a good conversation with him he's the same kind like i imagined him nice to just be a normal guy even though he built him up to be larger than life i I think you're also seeing uh, that character of the talk show host potentially later in his run as the talk show host. He's been doing it for a while, kind of David Letterman esque, where he's like, we're just having a a good time. He's a veteran. And I think that, rather than just the comedy and the taxi driver connections, does suit Robert De Niro in a really good way because we have. We only think about him for those that era of his lifetime as an actor. We kind of maybe writ him off. Maybe he's written himself off in a little. He's like, I'm good. Like I'm having a good time now. Like, yeah. so who would you have gotten to play him if it wasn't him? I mean, that is an interesting conversation. Um, Mar- Switch it no, because I don't think Mark. Again, I think you needed a large in life person. Yeah. I think maybe. I mean, obviously David Letterman's too iconic, but like a David Letterman type. Mm-hmm. Like I think that matches Johnny more Carson, maybe yeah like definitely I think Conan Trump. O'Brien if Conan <laughs> O'Brien I want to see the superimposed like listen internet <laughs> nerds, you, the, you want the deep fake yeah. of Conan O'Brien internet nerds, deep if fake. you're listening deep please deep fake Conan O'Brien <laughs> and hopefully not the moment where because <laughs> yeah. Conan O'Brien needs a friend and so does Arthur <laughs> 
He um, made me Jim I think Carrey. it was a good choice. I, I don't mind like a nuance performance because he, I think Robert De Niro understood Netflix. that it was it, he wasn't the main focal point. That if he made it too much about himself, it, yeah. It what w- about being, making the Waynes douches? Like Mr. Wayne. Oh, like making Thomas Wayne like somebody who potentially begot a uh, like, child. Yeah. They, they uh, did make Thomas Wayne a little bit of an asshole yeah. in the bathroom scene. So that's interesting. What well, do you I think mean, probably so that it, douchey, it yeah. maintained that whole feeling of like, you know, the political discourse elite. at that time is like, yeah, like the elite are the bad people. Like kill the rich was like on the front page of the newspaper. So painting yeah. them in that negative light then gives the audience some like, uh, I guess sympathy for the protesters and like the people who are part of this movement. And I thought that was know? beautiful the way they did that. Like, cause I was always wondering like, how do you get so many people to dress up like you as a clown and do your bidding kind of thing? And that was a perfect way of doing it. It's like you start off as just somebody who they idolize, who started something and then they become protesters and then they follow your movement by accident and then they finally find out who you really are and you do some outlandish like he does when he shoots the host so now he can actually kind of control them like out of nowhere they come to protect him start with that intention yeah he didn't but that's how that's how it's supposed to that's how it Mm -hmm. happens and that was a beautiful way of being like that that's a crazy thing and that's like almost a serious thing of how it could happen and i thought that was really cool i always thought at the end of the movie um there's a shot of him He's he's gotten he's been he shoots Robert De Niro's character he shoots everyone in the studio and he gets taken away in the cop car and then after that moment happens there's a huge riot like riot beyond comprehension happens in the city he's being taken away in the car and he's he's loving it. and then that cop car gets run over by an, a rogue ambulance right after the oh sorry that was right, was right after, after the, the, the shot that was so derivative of Heath Ledger hanging out the cop window yeah he's laying yeah, out the window yeah, and yeah. I was like oh is this is this like, yeah. literally so hanging he, out and the he window. gets and he gets yeah. knocked unconscious and he's bleeding from the mouth because his head was leaning on the, the cop grate yes. uh, between the back yeah. scene and the front scene and his followers pull him out and like put him on a car and he sits up and his mouth is kind of bleeding and he uses fingers to make the Joker smile that we've all yeah. he's the, the true mm-hmm. transformation I thought that shot of him turning around and like seeing the crowd of people behind him should have been the last shot of the movie the one yes. I guess the one gripe, so the too. one big gripe I had about the movie is there was like almost an epilogue type scene and I think there's also something I want to talk about with, with the direction yeah, of this movie. Especially seeing the weird, grown-up weird Bruce mute. Wayne become Robert Pattinson was way too much. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really, weird, really weird music cues yeah. in this movie. Really weird Glowing music. chest vampire Robert Pattinson becoming Batman was too much. I can't wait. <laughs> it's going to be good. You've seen Good Time, right? It's, yeah. it's going to be good. I just had a good time watching that. So we see that when he turns around, but then you also wonder what's going on because you find out earlier that he has manifested things that didn't happen. A girlfriend that didn't really exist. The and gal from Atlanta? Yes, the girl from Atlanta. Not to be confused with the guy from Atlanta who was working in the police evidence. Because there was multiple Atlanta. <laughs> which Tom Phillips is <laughs> was clearly... Donald, was Donald Glover. I know, uh, and I was Joker's like, I keep waiting for the Lando He's such a good actor. He's so transformative. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so what were the other ones that he manifested? The girlfriend... That's pretty much it. I thought he maybe the, the, his first um, when he's first watching the Murray's show and he pictures oh, yeah. himself being it's in the his, audience. That's that, the first cue that he's that, that part of this is going to be 
more fiction than reality. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but they didn't do any sort of, as far as I could tell on first viewing, there was no sense that they gave us like physical cues of this is real life, this is his imagination. Thank God. Yeah. I'm so glad they and didn't And that do was that. an yeah. interesting choice to not be like the American History X of like, this is in color and the past is in black and white and it's that obvious. Yeah. And you'll see that sometimes. I think that's what Even like Natural Born so Killers with Woody Harrelson where you're like, no, oh, this is so Because you didn't know that it actually happened. I was like, no. what just happened? Yeah, I had to like put the pieces together. You know what I mean? I'm like, are There's they going to fake me? Yes, yeah. yeah. I know, because was it was, was it an, ins- an Inception kind of thing at the end? Like, did he make up that entire thing or did it actually happen? Because he was talking about... Oh, it happened. I feel like it because actually in the happened. They talked, if it didn't happen, we would have been told. Wait, but did anything happen? Because it's just him running through the hallways well, yeah, in the man, end. That's what I'm wondering because in the beginning jacket. they talk about, especially the health and human service person says, what is it, do you... Is this better than being in the mental hospital? And he's like, sometimes I feel like I had a better time in the mental hospital. And so at the end, he's in a mental hospital talking to a lady yeah. who looks like the healthy human services person and he's laughing and she says, why? He's like, I... I'll tell you a joke, but you won't get it. So it's making me wonder if, like, he was talking about a whole fantasy he had, mm-hmm. except for the end when he's running away with bloody shoes. Oh, I see what you're saying. I think that goes more to like what he was just saying in the scene before when he is being interviewed by Robert De Niro, um, and he goes off the off script of what he what they all thought was going to happen, and he talks about which is kind of similar to this Todd Phillips quote um, where he's like, you know something I consider being funny, people feel comfortable by it. That doesn't make it not funny to me. Like it could still be, there's this like moral yeah. discussion that he begets even in this weird murderous conversation. Um, and that's kind of the, what Todd, I was just saying earlier, Todd kind of talks about this in one of the interviews leading up to the movie. He said, like, I don't want to make comedies anymore because I feel like the kind of comedy I want to make doesn't belong now, which is also creepy for him to say that now after seeing this movie. Um, and it's true. You have a certain <laughs> amount of time with your comedy and even with comics, unless you, you can change over time, which some of them can't because they live in a certain time period. And that's it. Yeah, like, Andrew that's Dice Clay, we're looking at yeah, you. exactly. <laughs> Chris Rock's last special. I mean, I, mean, you I was going to say, were, as a comedian, do are there comedians that you not necessarily consciously, maybe subconsciously emulate? Because you see them being so successful, and then you try to apply that. Well, in the beginning, into your you work. always do. You 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 usually, especially when you don't have your own voice and you don't know what that voice is, which is a very hard question to ask yourself and answer. And it usually becomes when you become very self aware and what you believe, what you want to do. So it's like the Bill Hicks thing. Hmm. Like he adamantly believed, even at his age, like what I'm doing is here and this is right. And he had a political discourse to everything that he said. Um, Chris Rock had his own thing about political discourse. Eddie Murphy, they all had their things, but there's certain times where it just doesn't grow or you grow into your comedy like if you thought about Louis C.K. he'd been around since the 80s it wasn't until he got married and had kids that it started becoming really funny and he talked about his married life and he whatever dude I don't blame him anyway yeah. and, and then so really, he, you really want to bring up I will hand I will jobs. Go. yeah hand jobs <laughs> he gave himself that job hey I only talk about consensual HJs okay yeah but he but like nonetheless like people grow into their comedy or they can start like Eddie Murphy. So we're kind of seeing the Arthur Fleck character at that beginning yeah. of his take away all the other stuff, like just yeah. him as a person, as a, as a comedian, I guess, to analyze his yeah. comedy. Um, this is him trying was. to figure that out and not knowing what to do. And I guess he, that begets him becoming a murderer and getting attention for that. 
it's kind of like that's his that's what he's saying like that's his comedy that's his rush that rush of feeling like something that you're putting out there is relatable and something that people enjoy I mean that's real I mean I honestly I started stand-up comedy because I have this unhealthy need for external validation and was seeking that in relationships I spent a shit ton of money for a therapist to tell me that. And so now I get to spend time on stage. But it's a very real thing, apparently, for a lot of people who do what I do. Yeah. You know, and to see this kind of go in a different direction was kind of like, oh shit, that's kind of. Does it make you feel like, not necessarily like, does it make you feel uncomfortable about your own art? Not to say that no. like y'all would ever become <laughs> not that. that, I'll go that way. I hope. No. Um, but, but like, I mean, does it make you like their... really think about like the craft that you're doing and like no, uh, less of the, the craft movie. and more of it's how it's perceived? Like I feel sure. like there's all of these I misconceptions would... about like what comics are. The whole sad clown thing, yeah. right? It's like totally a thing. An era of self-deprecation. I'm laughing humor. because I'm thinking of all like the military movies and all the people are like they watch military movie veterans and they're like, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> it doesn't go like that. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's only well, like that. You like, get on we're, stage we're, and you bomb. That's we're in how it works. We're in an era of like self-deprecating humor. Yeah. Like yeah. that's like the memes and like of self-deprecation and like depression. Like that's comedy in and of itself mm-hmm. now. Like I feel like a lot of the artists that I follow on Instagram. Are, well, right. Like some of them, like the strongest humor I find on Instagram is like this, these comic, these comics that as in like illustrative comics yeah. that are like very self-deprecating and talking about depression openly. And yes, like people yeah. feel connection to that. Because it's relatable. Because like, we all have depression. Anybody, actors or comedians, are usually seeking an external approval of what they are. I thought and you were saying everybody has depression. That too, as well. But we all have depression in certain aspects, and people will always say, like, you know, people are just wussies these days. But no, the thing is, we now have time to decompress, which also yeah. allows us time and in tools, our brains. And tools and resources. And tools and resources yeah. to use. But it's like, before, you didn't have time to be depressed because you were too busy trying to fucking eat. You were too busy <laughs> yeah. trying to feed your six kids, which maybe three of them died, hopefully. I mean, there are still people um, who don't have the resources to get the help yeah. that they need to, you know? Like, it's true. And I think, like, uh, one, of, one of the main things that I like to talk about in my comedy tends to be just or themes I think is normalizing things that aren't talked about a lot right and like I don't necessarily talk a lot about my depression but I'm starting to talk about like an eating disorder that I'm still working through and uh, female masturbation things like that you know yeah. and I think just in general people are a lot more open to normalizing things that weren't talked about and depression and how people are handling it going to therapy is yeah. a huge yeah. thing yeah I mean <laughs> people are eating ass so much more now it is it's more acceptable I love it he's so, a, a part of the moody game everybody but yeah. yeah i mean it's i mean i don't do it <laughs> spencer space we went from really serious to eating ass <laughs> we had like, are you kidding too, we'll with these up. new frames <laughs> no sir no i can't wait to fog it up down there <laughs> so i know we're having a pretty serious discussion but i want to talk about butt stuff yes exactly uh, it all comes back to butt like stuff. I was talking, sorry i know seriously um, a guy a comedian i was just talking to yesterday morning he runs the open mic at this bar i work at and he was talking about there was a guy who comes and performs at that open mic who he's like a classically good looking guy and he at first he was making jokes about how he's like not having luck in relationships Nobody and it wasn't that. working because it's like you're clearly you're incredibly <laughs> handsome that's fucking not hell. fucking possible so then he changed Thank his you. style to like <laughs> talking <laughs> more about like how much of a weirdo he is and like yes. weird eccentric disease of thing. i don't know specific i've never seen this person yeah. performer yeah. but he didn't really give me examples of time and people were more keen into that he doesn't talk about relationship jokes in his comedy anymore and it's that like trial and error of comedy who you are and what they see about and you. i think this movie mm. embodies in a, in a psychotic way that same give and receive process that mm-hmm. comedians go through 
Um, not like yeah, not like eating. Shooting someone will. <laughs> well, like he clearly does that because people love him for it. Like yeah. let's call it what it, it is. Yeah, like he does it because he's like, oh my god! Like after getting my ass kicked, the same people who just kicked my ass are like. I almost expected the same kid who kicked his ass in the beginning to be the one to lift him out of the car almost. Oh, right. Yeah. I almost expected oh. to see them again That'd now becoming a father. I would have yeah. hated that. I would have hated that. That would have been like the wrong choice, but like some part of me was like, there is some symbolism in that about you are now the leader. some really schwulty symbolism that didn't belong in that movie. But like, if like Steven Spielberg made that movie, that's yeah. what he would have done. Yeah. But, but, but you are right in that. The idea that these little asshole punk kids who are running around are the ones who would idolize this sort of oh, yeah. character, yeah. not realizing that it's, yeah. That is, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. As someone with an it is obnoxiously <laughs> true, though. Okay, wait. I have a question, and this can be cut out. Did, uh, did yeah, let's he, go ahead and cut this did out. Did he kill Zaze Beats or not? No. The mom and the daughter doesn't matter. Who the fuck cares? I who cares? I because she's in Deadpool, y'all. <laughs> oh. She didn't die. Okay, who cares? This is no, Deadpool. That's important. Dead no, that's important. If we're talking universe. about, if we're talking about like in incel culture, right? If we're talking about like this idea of like people like, and he idol, like he imagined, he put, he followed her to work. He yeah, he's a white male who yeah. like who created like, no, a relationship. He created a relationship because she gave him attention. Right. And so then she like he suddenly like like idolizes and imagines her there and like supporting him and all this stuff that never happened. I think that's important. We brought it up earlier at the beginning of the spoiler section. We never brought it up again. And the fact is, is like that's important because did he take it out on her later? Because we don't see her for the rest of the film. Like he just no, because she doesn't the apartment. Betray him. She, she didn't do anything wrong. She didn't betray him. But, so, what, but why also, did he leave the apartment then? Like, th- like in my head, when that happened, I was like, okay, he's leaving the apartment because he just killed that woman. And then you hear an ambulance come later. So you maybe think. So I think he killed her. Really? Yeah. And I think. I, I, I think it's good that to think about it, but I don't know if. I'm glad we didn't see it, I guess. Yes, Even if yeah. it happened or not, yeah. the, the, the thought of did he or did he not. Oh, it would have been too far. I think it's a cut scene. I think it. I think they cut it. I, I think they cut it because that would have been too far. Because that's too much, and like the idea, like that. That's the. You honestly, if we're talking about like homicidal maniacs, people like serious. It is that like idolization of people. It's like it is uh, thinking too much. It's it's again the lonely <sighs> personality of someone who's like he's like oh she likes it, and then all of a sudden like kills her because she didn't actually like give him the attention that he thought he deserved or whatever, you know? And I feel like yeah. I, kind of, I was like, okay, well, we can't, that we he was can't entitled talk about to. that. So I think that's... Your cat is uh, booing you from upstairs. <laughs> 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 Fine, whatever. Okay. Your cat is yelling no, 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 you're stop. not the only no. one. I felt the same way. No. I think it's interesting to think about. He but felt I, entitled to her space and her time, and he ultimately killed her. Where that fits in the film... Honestly, if I think back on it, it doesn't really fit no. other than painting this picture of how like unstable he is. So it it kind of creates a, I guess, fuller picture of like, okay, there's people that have done him wrong. And then he also creates this whole story in his head of this woman. And, you know, that yeah. I, I don't know what would have set him off or why he would have done that. But in the way that the... Uh, events take place 
I think he totally killed that woman. Yeah. Which is dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I am interested to see in the coming weeks. Obviously, there's been a lot of build up to this, the reception of this movie. I am really interested to see the coming weeks and months of reception of the film yeah. In, yeah. and its impact. Because it came out today, right? Today's opening day. So yeah. we think I mean, there's reviews. It, it wasn't a dream. Yeah, I would agree. I think okay, he did. Right. I think, Except uh, for the moments that were dreams. Okay, so yeah. for those moments that were dreams, they were dreams, but yeah. then the other one was real. It would have been, if it, it's too much of a loose end gimmick to make that a, a, an inception esque ending thing. Because then at that point, if it was a dream, then there were dreams within the then dream. We're, then we're too worried about <laughs> we're, we're too worried about that than actually thinking about what it all means. If we're honest, yes. I think that that last scene was more of a uh, Easter egg because the, the idea is that like he's an Arkham, uh, yeah, Arkham Asylum never last? holds the Joker. He always gets in and out and gets in and out mm-hmm. and gets in and out. And I think that was just an Easter egg. And I think that was like thrown in. I was talking to Spencer. I think that was like a a. a an end credit scene that they just decided to put on the film because it didn't really do anything. Because does it matter if it was before or after all of this happened? You know what I mean? Like, like, I think the imagery of him with the blood on his face and turning around at his people. You end on that shot, you... It, the power stays with you and then the, the credits are you're like fuck me like yeah if they would have ended on that oh that like, would have been the ending I was like please especially when he did that I was like please end the movie now a couple inconsistencies just throughout beautiful. like I think there's a bunch of weird music cues not to yeah. I mean, there's just a few grabs I had like when he's on the stairs yes. doing the dancing scene they're playing dun 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 I was like this is song. fucking weird yeah, like it was very this weird. is not the song that should be playing right now. Um, so I don't know. And also, it is definitely, without a doubt in my mind, is the prequel to the Robert Pattinson Batman that's going to come out soon. <laughs> so let's just go ahead and all accept that. That's who should have been. That this is about to happen. That we saw, and we saw multiple scenes with that little kid who's going to grow up to be the Robert Pattinson Batman. But the bigger question of anything else is like, if there's going to be a porn made after this, what would the Jesus name of it be? Christ. <gasps> wow. I still think Choker would be wow. it. <laughs> no? No? <laughs> we can keep going down this road because I have a really good joke about this, but I do don't, it. I, I, it's it's not good. Ah, we're just talking. That goes with the okay. game. Yes, okay. it's the Joker. It's the joke. You know, Kiko, for you, I'll do it. Yes. So let's rewind to our earlier conversation where I kept asking about the ending of the movie, like this long buildup of this movie leading up to an amazing scene that you really wanted at the end of the movie. Would mm-hmm. you say that's much like an HJ? <laughs> A long, slow, dry. <laughs> confusing. This moment emotional makes me be driven. The fact that I brought up HJs ever. ever. Actually, ever even giving an HJ. You know, I am I so glad. You're going back in time so and you're going to slap the old It's you, underrated. But you dare do this. See, we told you it's horrible. Okay. Anyways, Bo any other last thoughts so that we much. have about this before Bo goes crazy? <laughs> Let's let Bo steer the ship back. Let's yeah. let the ship wreckage. Steer us back, Bo. No, I'm good. Y'all go ahead. Um, I'm just going to hit the bathroom, grab another drink. Y'all review responsibly. <laughs> Close it out. Cheers, guys. Yes, cheers. Does that mean I stop it? Yeah. <laughs>